You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live, we live, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend Nick Denning from Raleigh. Nick, what's going on? I'm adjusting to this small window that you have. And I'll put you in a... Put you in a little tiny, little tiny box. Yeah, we've adjusted the screen a little bit. Yeah. You got your, you got your information down at the bottom here. Um, this little corner box has our lock. Oh God, see left and right, it's tough on the screen. <laughs> locked on wind. Uh, the little locked on box. That logo that might have some, some uh, advertisements in it in the future. Hopefully. Um, so yeah, this is this is looking good. We can we can put the chat up in the screen. Oh no! Let's see. This is going to block you out. I have to work on this. Okay. Well, we can put Sorry. the chat up on the screen. We can say hi to Justin, to Simon, to DJ. What's going on, guys? Keep chatting. Keep sending your questions in on the live chat here on YouTube. We try to stream live to YouTube as much as possible on this show. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed yet, YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Just search your podcast app for Locked On Hornets. And really, the most important part is to tell a friend. We are less than a week away. Nope, we're a little over a week away from the start of the regular season, and we want as many Hornets fans as possible to get in on this show. So make sure you're telling somebody about it. Big show ahead. Uh, We've got some breaking news that we're going to get to in just one second. Nick, don't know if you've seen this on Twitter yet, um, but we'll get to that in one second. We're also going to talk about this preseason game last night. I know a lot of you didn't get a chance to see it. Got a little video to roll, some... uh, some lobs, lob plays. That was a big story from this game in Miami. The Charlotte Hornets offense looking a lot different than it has over the past couple of years. Plus, in fairness to his airness, we've got some Michael Jordan news. Everybody loves Michael Jordan. Got to stick around for that news. But first, let's get to this uh, breaking news. I'm going to pull up Twitter now. Uh, Rick Bennell, beat writer for uh, the Charlotte Observer, tweeting, his source says Nick Batum was told surgery is not necessary on his injured Left elbow, look out for the story there on Charlotte Observer. A source telling Rick Bunnell that Nick Batum was told surgery is not necessary. Now, let's let's talk about this news before we get to this post-game analysis, Nick. Now, told not necessary is not necessarily he's not gonna do it. But but he was told that it wasn't necessary. He sort of had two options: rest and rehab, which would keep him out anywhere from six weeks to 12 weeks, maybe even further. A lot of that's based on pain. Can he get out there? But surgery would have would have almost certainly ended his season. Uh, Nick, what do you make of this news? Well, that's, that's pretty good news to wake up to. Um, if you're, well, I think, obviously. You're, wait, you're waking up with Locked On Hornets here on this Monday or Tuesday morning. I know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, no, that's that's good. That's encouraging to know. I mean, like you said, he can still, he doesn't, ha- it's not necessary. So he could go and do it himself. Um, but I think given like Tim knows how important this season is for like, not just himself, but for others. Um, if there's, a, you know, if he's gotten the advice, if he's gotten the, um, 
you know, if he knows that he does not have to have surgery this and he can play, um, I think he's going to try to, to, you know, probably go that rest and rehab route and hopefully things um, work out. Yeah, I've said, well, the Hornets are certainly hoping that because he is so integral to everything that they want to do offensively. He's one of their primary distributors. He makes Kimball Walker a lot better by allowing him to play off ball. And they were really hoping that he would develop a chemistry with Dwight Howard. And certainly Nick hoped that. He wanted to get more post touches for Dwight Howard. And we're going to talk about some of the things that Dwight Howard did in this game against Miami last night. And, and one wonders how much more they could do with Nick Batum and his vision and his passing ability on the court. Plus, Nick worked all summer on developing his NBA game, focusing on his NBA game. He eschewed you know, going overseas, playing for France, something that he's done for a very long time, to basically focus on his game and becoming a more efficient player because, as we've said many times, his usage percentage has gone up significantly from his days in, in Portland. He's a much bigger part of this Hornets team than he was those Trailblazers teams, but his efficiency has gone down. His effective field goal percentage is three-point percentage, taking a dip over the last two years, and I think he definitely wanted to solve that. And you know, even with, the, with that dip in efficiency, he was still one of the better three-point shooters for the Charlotte Hornets, and last night you know, they shoot 19% from beyond the arc. So I think they will be missing his three-point shooting no matter how long he is out. But this is obviously good news. Uh, check out Rick Bennell on the Charlotte Observer, and we'll have uh, more analysis of this certainly tomorrow once we get a few more details in. Let's head over uh, to the chat now and see if we've got anything on this. If I can get the chat to pull up, there we go. We've got uh, Andrew saying, how did you feel Monk played in the pick and roll last night? Well, I thought he played very well in the pick and roll. I thought he handled himself very well at the point guard position. Nick, quick comments on that before we get into this uh, game in full? Yeah, it's, it's an encouraging start um, from him playing that position. I mean, we really weren't sure what to expect. Um, he did make some, you know, it wasn't all good decisions, but you're not expecting it to be figured out at this point. Um, you know, especially things towards the end, the shot selection got a little dicey. Um, but he was, you know, um, earlier on kind of doing a little bit better as a distributor. So um, not bad. All right, we got uh, a couple of Australians in the building. Dan and Simon, both from Australia, saying it's Tuesday night over there. Well, welcome in. Thanks for thanks to our international listeners. We got a we've got a little. I wonder if they all like meet up. I know Australia is a big country. Maybe they don't all live. You know, I think uh, we got uh, someone from Melbourne here. Maybe they live in different cities. But I hope you you know you guys meet up, watch Hornets games. That'd be fun. Uh, David saying, "What up to the nest?" I just went coast to coast like D twelve. Only <laughs> only I went from Gaston County to the QC. Gaston County, repping. I'm from Gastonia. I love the gas house. I mean, Gaston County is a big county. Maybe not from Gastonia, but uh, DJ saying, yeah, look forward to seeing that Kimba to Jawai connection. All right. That's what the chat wants to talk about. Let's talk about it. Uh, Miami, taking on Miami last night in Miami, the Charlotte Hornets. No MKG was out for personal reasons. He was joined on uh, the injury list with point guards Michael Carter-Williams, Julian Stone, and Marcus Page. All three backup point guards uh, sitting on the bench for this one. And, of course, uh, Nick Batum. The Heat were without Goran Dragic for a second straight game. He's been resting uh, off of his uh, EuroLeague play. The Heat came out red hot from three, and the Hornets fell behind early. The offense picked up in the second quarter, though. Malik Monk had eight points in the frame, and Dwight Howard added six and four rebounds in the second. The Hornets shot 60%, forced eight Heat turnovers, and went into the, went into the break up 
62-54. to Kemba Walker leaving the game early in the second half, though, after taking a hit to the face, got an elbow from Josh Richardson. He'd return to the bench, but not to the game. It allowed the Heat to tighten things up late. Hornets down three with less than 20 seconds to go. Malik Monk gets several chances to tie it up, but they all go begging. Hornets lose 109-106. Monk finished with a team-high 19 points. Dwight Howard dropped 16 points and six rebounds. Nick, two big stories, I think, for me out of this one. The Hornets introducing a series of offensive actions to free up Dwight Howard on the lob play, and the rookies once again trying to dominate offensively and maybe struggling a little bit defensively. What were your storylines out of this game? What did you see? Yeah, that lob action with Howard is, is it's, I mean, I think we expected it coming into the season, but actually witnessing it firsthand is really nice. Um, we've been kind of wanting that for a long time with our big men. Like, I think for a number of years, we were hoping Biombo would be able to develop that skill. And I think if he was able to, that would have really, really helped him offensively. Um, but he never quite did it. So seeing, you know, I mean, for Dwight, it's second nature. He's been doing this his entire career. Um, so it's got to be nice to just have that play um, off the screen roll. Um, with Monk, you know, and the rookies, you could just really tell, particularly at the end, um, their legs, they lost their legs. Um, that was a new situation for them, you know, at least professionally speaking, right? Um, Monk was definitely forcing it. And I'm not, you know, I know it's preseason and it's not a big deal at this point, but that's like, that's a great learning point. I'm sure Clifford's going to like go over those final few possessions. With there's, him. there's plenty of tape on the league monk after right. last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he but took his shots. Seven right, of what? Yeah. Seven of 22 from the field. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's a great teaching point for him and for bacon um, to really show like, okay, and this is, you know, I see what I'm glad that you're willing to take these shots. Um, but, you know, understand kind of the situation you're in at this point. Yeah, I want to go to those lob plays. I've got a little video to play here of some of these lob plays. Off the pick and roll, you can see Dwight Howard loves to slip that screen early, and Dwight taking them, taking Miami to Dwight House. Oh, gosh. I go to Dwight House. There we go. And then even uh, Malik Monk getting involved in the in the Dwight action there, get, drawing the foul. And then again, Kemba trying to go in transition. Now this is where you get into sort of Charlotte City. This is the the sort of Clippers action getting involved in transition. But there's there's Monk again. That time to Mango Mathiang, who I, I thought had a pretty good game as well. And then another one from Kemba to Dwight Howard. Uh, So that connection is going to be very important, I think, uh, Nick, because even without, you know, without Nick Batum on the floor, I think so much. I mean, we talk a lot about Jeremy Lamb and what can he do? And he left the game hurt as well, had some groin soreness. So we'll get an update on his status soon. But, uh, you know, even with Jeremy Lamb entering and his ability to score, I think they're 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 going to depend so much on Kimball Walker and Dwight Howard developing a a potent weapon in that pick and roll. And one of those tools that they have is the lob action. And and I think part of what you saw last night was getting Dwight in that lob play on tape to free things up for Kimba because Kimba was very deferential to Dwight last night. And, and if if that if teams start start planning for that if they start sinking down trying to throw two guys at Dwight Howard we well, got a guy in Kimball Walker that can expose you in the paint in the mid-range and at the three-point line so it's going to open up a lot for him as well yeah it's it could be a deadly combination um 
you know, if teams have to recognize both players and, you know, in that pick and roll action, um, it, you know, they're going to be able to get some open shots. So yeah, this, I think this is going to be the most effective way to get these two connected early on. Um, you know, without the tomb, this is really the best option for them at this point. And I'm sure they'll develop other things as the season goes along. Um, but yeah, this is, it's encouraging to see it working. Um, I know he didn't make all the, all of the lobs uh, last night, or at least, you know, in those, those clips. Um, but still, I mean, we're, they're throwing it and they're looking for it, and that's that's great to see. Well, listen, Miami's a team that's known for executing on defense and being very defensively sound with Eric Spolstra at the helm and a lot of uh, guys who are very quick and very athletic. And this was also a week in between the Detroit game and this game that the Hornets were uh, um, introducing a lot of offense. You heard that from both Jeremy Lamb and uh, Coach Clifford, that this was a learning week, this was a mental week of getting more stuff in. And so it's nice to see the Hornets' offense evolving. I mean, how many times, Nick, in five years, have they run action to get a lob play? Like, I think they may have equaled it last night. Even attempts. Right. I, mean, I don't this, think, and that's not an exaggeration either. Like, I think no. you, might, you might actually be right there. Yeah, it's yeah, I, that we they haven't had a player with the capability of actually doing this, maybe ever. So I mean, you know, as mm-hmm. good as, as good as Al Jefferson was in the paint, he was not was catching not. lobs. Athleticism. <laughs> it's one thing that you know this team has tended towards skill and tended towards IQ, and not necessarily gone out and got a, a, a lot of guys who could you know ath- were athletic enough to run that lob play. And they have a guy in Dwight Howard who not only is athletic enough to do that, uh, he showed it last night, but also they're confident he has the basketball IQ, uh, the smarts to run uh, all of the, all of their offensive action. My favorite one of those lobs, I think I had it. Uh, I think I had it on the video. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly it is, but it was um, Dwight setting a Dwight setting a down screen. And then handing it off to Marvin Williams, who then did a dribble handoff to Jeremy Lamb. Dwight switched it to a back screen, slipped the back screen, and that allowed... This was it right here. It was actually Monk. Sorry, Monk coming around on the dribble handoff, and that's the one he got fouled on. I mean, that to me... I mean, what do you guard at that point? You've got the quickness of Monk. You've got Dwight Howard's strength and effectiveness in the post. They decided to go with Monk on that play, and Dwight Howard made them pay. And all, and they, you know, he drew a flagrant on that on that play. So, I mean, this is with Kemba and Monk and their quickness paired with Dwight Howard. I mean, I, I think you you have to be excited by the, those prospects on offense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice. It's just because we haven't seen Monk a lot. Um, at all prior to preseason, it's nice to see how well he's able to move on the floor. He does not look, um, you know, he looks like he belongs on there. He's quick enough. Um, there's the one clip. Um, I don't know if, you know, it might've been from the Detroit game even where he just was able to beat his defender um, off one dribble, get, you know, two steps to the hoop and he was able to finish. And it was a tough finish. And you're thinking like, again, for a six, three guard, um, he, he looks like he belongs out there. He has the speed, he has the quickness. So when you add that element um, into this already, you know, with, with Kemba, with Dwight, this is looking pretty good. Yeah, we talked about the rookies being aggressive once again. 39 attempts combined between Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon, and you can see Clifford obviously wants to get them plenty of minutes, especially Malik Monk played 35 in this preseason game uh, to, to try to get him ready for the regular season because he did miss summer league. And I think, 
you know, if you watched, uh, if you had a chance to watch, if if you were one of the the lucky few to to pick up a link, and you watched it last night, his his legs definitely look like a guy that hadn't played a lot in the summer. Suddenly played thirty five minutes, and at the end of the game, he was airballing a few threes. But I don't think it's any concern because this is exactly what you want. You want him to go out there and keep shooting, keep attempting. And, and get your legs under you before the regular season, I think. What did you think of his – a lot of questions about his point guard skills because he really was the main point guard for the team after Kimball Walker went down uh, with, with, an, with that elbow to the face. So what did you think about his decision-making? Do you think he could capably run the point uh, for short stretches during the regular season? I think it's certainly possible. Um, you know, what, he's going to have stricter – they're going to give him stricter things to do. He yeah, won't yeah. have as much free reign in the regular season. I think tonight was about, you know, we're going to give you, we're going to give you the ball here. We're going to, you're going to be with that final five in, at the end of the game. Um, see what you can do. See if you can win us the game. And I think that's why you saw a lot of the shots hoisted up. Um, he definitely forced a few of those, but regular season comes, they're going to say, when you run point, this is what we want you to do. Yeah. And if he can, as long as he is disciplined, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it should be all right. And what you're going to see from Monk, and he's told, I, I believe he told Scott Fowler this for the Charlotte Observer, that he's not a fancy dribbler. He doesn't try to do a lot with his dribble. He's not like he's not in that Steph Curry mode in terms of you know trying to knock guys off their stride when he's playing the point guard position. He tries to keep things simple, make the simple pass. He did have kind of one signature pass that he's displayed so far, which is. You know he'll drive and then sort of toss it back a little behind his head, swing it back uh, to ever to whoever screened for him. So that's kind of his signature move. Although he did have one nice baseline drive, T.J. Williams cut down the lane and he sees it and uh, drops it off to T.J. for an easy layup. So uh, yeah, he's he's showing flashes. He's not going to be a, a fa- he's not going to have those. I don't think he's going to have many highlight assists. But I think if he focuses on his first year on not making mistakes, he had two turnovers late in this game. One, he tried to kind of over-dribble, and Kelly Olynyk caught him, stole it, and it led to a Josh Richardson dunk. And then there was another one where he he tried to get it out to Cody, and the pass was was just a little off target. And that's the thing with the NBA. If you're just a little off target, uh, you know NBA defenders are going to expose that. So up and down game for him in terms of his point guard ability, but showed enough flashes, I think, where fans can be confident that uh, he will develop in that area. Uh, who did you think, just based on, I know you, you didn't get a chance to watch Nick, but you saw the box score. Who did you think maybe had a kind of a rough showing for this third preseason game? You know, I, again, a very limited action to be able to see it. Um, only two points on one of four shooting from Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, um, that was one of mine, I, for sure. Yeah, I was going to, can I ask you about that? Because it's Ask me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, he got the start tonight. He only played 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously moved Marvin to the three. Yeah. Uh, you know, was it just like, I don't know, um, what, what, what was the deal with him? It was a strange, I thought it was a strange, quiet night. Maybe it wasn't uh, a big night for Frank Kaminsky to really show anything in particular. It was a strange playing group. You've got Marvin at the three, you know, Frank at the four and Dwight at the five. Probably not something they've practiced a ton of. So it was just sort of a unique lineup situation, and maybe you chalk some of it up to that. I, you know what's funny? Like, remember, Nick, when we were keeping an eye on Justice, Justice Winslow versus – I always get it wrong. I always say Justice. I want it to be Justice, but it's not. It's Justice Winslow versus Frank Kaminsky. 
and they they really neither of them really settled anything in that in that preseason action. Both of them were far off, and I don't know, Nick, if you've been um, paying attention to the. Remember when we did that segment? What's happening in the NBA yeah. with Nick Denning? I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's happening with uh, Justice Winslow, but a lot of the focus in this offseason uh, in Miami is around questions about whether Justice Winslow can be effective at all offensively and he didn't take his first attempt in this game until 630 to go in the fourth quarter now he had a couple of key buckets late that allowed Miami to to get the win but they were against you know far inferior competition and sort of garbage time uh, essentially uh, minutes in this preseason game I, I think if you're a Miami fan you've got to walk away going what is what is going on with Winslow and his confidence and his ability to shoot and anything uh, with him offensively? It was, you know, not a great. We've we've had a couple of good signs this offseason from Frank Kaminsky. Um, certainly some frustrating signs as well. But with Justice, it's all you know they're they're expecting a lot from him and not getting a lot. Yeah, I think it kind of shows how like much the draft is a crapshoot. Um, you know, because I think again we go back to that that draft and I think when Winslow was available that's what every that's who everyone wanted he had the name um he looks great at Duke you know and now we flash forward you know into entering year three and and neither of them have established themselves yet um you know I I I won't you know I know there's the other option on the table that night for the Hornets allegedly um but uh you know I mean it's you know I'm hopeful that Frank, you know, we saw that month of play last season in February um, where he finally had a lot, showed a lot of confidence in his abilities, particularly on offense. And, um, you know, again, this is just maybe the, the nature of the night. I mean, I think the, the story, show, like the box score and everything shows that it was um, about the rookies trying to, you know, work through some things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it just wasn't Frank's night to, to, you know, get some touches. It wasn't like he shot like two for 11. You know, he just didn't really get involved in the offense, really. Yeah, exactly. Did have three assists, and I think that's a positive sign. Yeah. If he can have three or four assists a game and and really help uh, liquidate that uh, second unit offense, I, I think that would be a positive sign. And only one turnover, so he wasn't making mistakes either. Didn't attempt a three point shot. I, that to me says that he didn't attempt a three point shot. I think this game was about getting lob opportunities for Dwight Howard, and yeah. it was a weird playing group. And I just wouldn't I wouldn't buy too much into to what happened in that one preseason game. The preseason game in that second half all, turned into like a summer league game with with Bacon and Monk just putting up as many shots as possible. Uh, so uh, T.J. Williams, I thought stepping in because uh, Page was hurt, Julian Stone was hurt, Michael Carter Williams still working his way back. Eighteen minutes, two of four from the field, four points. Uh, two steals, one block. So I thought TJ Williams did a nice job. Maybe he ends up in Greensboro. Who knows? And then we've got a question from the chat. Roland saying, will Marcus Page make it? Well, he had a right ankle sprain uh, that kept him out of last night's game, but he's on a two-way contract. So he's heading to Greensboro. uh, And will he get called up? Well, look, I mean, Julian Stone's missed some time in this uh, this preseason period. And Michael Carter-Williams, how will his knees react once he gets – uh, you know, actually into some five-on-five action in practice and then eventually maybe into a preseason game. Those are all question marks. And if those continue to be question marks, then all of a sudden, Marcus Page, that's the guy you call up. So uh, will he make it? Well, he's made the team. I mean, he's on the two-way contract. Will he, will he continue with the team? Will he get called up? Uh, you know, I think right now you'd have to think probably, you know, with, with everything going on at that backup point guard position. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, Hornets owner Michael Jordan is on quite a roll in the headlines. And you know what that means, Nick? It's time for another edition of In Fairness to His Airness. You know who is good at basketball? Michael Jordan. All right, time for a little in fairness to his airness. So first, Jordan spearheads changes to the All-Star game in an effort to save it from irrelevancy and time for Charlotte to host the All-Star game in 2019. Then, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, he emailed Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos to request that their second headquarters be built in the city of Charlotte. Charlotte up for that headquarters, too, would be a huge boon for the city. And Michael Jordan, as as one of its premier members, uh, getting involved, trying to get that headquarters in Charlotte. I know that probably stings you a little bit, uh, you know, with your Raleigh, you know, flying your Raleigh flags over there, saying Raleigh's better than Charlotte. That's right, Nick on record saying Raleigh better than Charlotte. How dare you? Um, then... Michael Jordan celebrated the second Charlotte City Park renovation led by the Charlotte Hornets uh, Swarm to Serve initiative, and he finished up the week by announcing a $7 million donation to fund two medical clinics, one in North Charlotte and one in Northwest Charlotte, two areas of financial need. Nick, how, how important is it for Michael Jordan to continue to be involved in the Charlotte community? It's huge because... You know, again, part of this whole like not just not just bringing a professional basketball team back, but then trying to like you know heal some of the the wounds, I guess, so yeah. to speak, of that team of like the original ownership of you know the Bobcats, basically. Um, yeah, it, it's big. There needs to be this continued you know showing of support for the community because that's you know winning's going to help as well, but just showing like if if, if he he and the and the franchise continue to show that they are that they do care about Charlotte that they're actively involved in Charlotte. Um, that's going to continue to help things beyond basketball. That I think will bring even more support in, regardless of how the team is doing. Double M fifteen dropping by saying, "What up, Nest?" Bees, bees everywhere. There you go. That's for you, Double M fifteen. He's a loyal loyal watcher and listener. Thanks. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, so you can get these episodes. Even if you don't get a chance to watch this on YouTube, you can get those delivered to your podcast feed every day. Now, great points, Nick, on Michael Jordan being involved with the community when, look, I think every small to mid-sized market is under the threat of relocation at all times. You know, I don't think it's reserved for any particular city. I think uh, that, that that's always a danger, and you've got Seattle sort of sitting out there waiting for an NBA franchise. Do they get a new one, or, or does a team move? And so when you see things like this, when you see Michael Jordan being so invested monetarily and with his time into the community of Charlotte, despite living in Florida, he has a couple of places here in Charlotte, but he really lives in Florida, and to be spending his time and money here in Charlotte, I think that's a big deal, huge deal for the city, makes you, again, just goes, makes you proud, makes you want to spend your money with the franchise because you know they're doing things uh, here in the city. Uh, one interesting comment, though, from Steve Clifford had a few of our Buzzamaniacs uh, buzzing, interested, their ears perked up, their antennas perked up. I'm going to roll with this as long as I can. Uh, this was the comment, you play, quote, you play for an owner who's very involved in personnel decisions. And he was referencing 
why the team was a good practice team. And he said, one of the reasons is you have an owner who's very involved in the personnel decisions. So that had a lot of people going, oh my goodness, oh man, Michael Jordan, once again, sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. He's the owner. He should stay in the, in the owner's suite and let the GM run the team and let the coach coach the team. Nick, what do you think about that comment? I just think it, it should, I think Clifford's talking about him being just more actively involved than most owners. Yeah. Um, like, you know, and, and maybe it's some fans preference to just have the owner, you know, just kind of absent, but that's never really been Jordan's style. And I know that there's, been it's some, rarely been, it's rarely been right. any, uh, multimillionaire style to buy something yeah. that's worth millions of dollars and just to chill. Like that's, right. that's what I don't understand about these kind of conversations. It's one thing if he were the ba- the director of basketball operations and he got involved in coaching decisions or and I don't think he really gets involved in coaching decisions at all like a Jerry Jones coming down on the sidelines and calling plays or anything like that. But right. I think what's what's absurd about this whole uh, about getting getting uh, nervous about this or upset about this is like it it like it, he owns it. <laughs> like if I, if I own right. something, if I own something, my, uh, the, you know, my uh, Xbox. I make decisions about my Xbox because I bought it. I own it. I don't know. It just seems it just seems weird to me this whole this whole conversation. But uh, I do understand the perspective of you. You want people that are dealing with things day to day to make day to day decisions. And you know, I, I don't think that I don't think that's what Clifford meant by those comments. And I think you and I are on the same page there. Yeah, if if there's a difference between being involved and like meddling in things that he doesn't have like the best understanding of. I mean, the, I think ideally uh, franchises are run when you know the input of those, like you said, they're involved day to day, are able to make you know those decisions and um, at least offer the advice, you know, and right. get it recognized. Um, and I don't think that I don't I don't I just feel like the just the track record of this team the past few years, particularly since Clifford has joined the team doesn't reflect one that's being, you know, run in two or there. I don't see two different visions necessarily. I mean, yeah, rarely. Make- I think, I think the right. Plumley decision last year is one that you could point to and go, was, was this, was this exactly what, you, you know, was this exactly a Steve Clifford type of player type of decision? I don't know the answer to that, but right. I, I, I think it's certainly fair to question that or was that a hey we've got to win type right. of move um and i i think it's fair to question that but on the whole i think you're right this has been this has been you know the decisions have been mostly rich show type of decisions and and those have been reflective of the fact that you have steve clifford coaching i look at the dwight howard decision i mean howard's a clifford guy I mean, it's a guy that clifford really believes in and to go right. out and, and, and to acquire that player, I think, was a correction, a wheel correction yeah. on that Plumlee decision. Uh, so I, I think every, I think it's, it was it was a it was a it was a comment that got that got some people riled up, but I don't think it's a it's a really big deal. Um, but always interesting to talk about uh, Michael Jordan in fairness to his airness. All right, Nick, final thoughts on what what we've learned so far in preseason. The Hornets not practicing today. So the next time uh, that you're going to get a chance to see them is October 11th, Wednesday, tomorrow night against the Boston Celtics here in Charlotte. It's the first home preseason game. Uh, that one tips off 
Uh, I'm going to check that because uh, these preseason times always trip me up. Uh, I'll, I'll check that time. Uh, but, Nick, final thoughts as we head into the first home preseason game. Um, interested to see if they continue to run, run Monk at the point. I think it would probably depend on you know if any other point guards are healthy. Um, interested to see how they use Bacon. They kind of used him in some interesting um, sets last night off of um, – off of out-of-bounds plays, got him some looks that he didn't make. Um, and then final thought, um, aside from I loved your um, I loved your Master of None um, bit there, um, you may <laughs> get Amazon, good. you may get Amazon, Doug, but we will more, we have a, we will probably get MLS. So there's... That's fine. I'm good. Yeah, give me my, give me my one-day Whole Foods delivery and you can have <laughs> your, you can have your footy ball. I'll take my, yeah, I'll take my one, one-hour delivery. I'll take getting getting something from the Whole Foods Deli at cheaper prices now, delivered to me immediately, and you can have uh, soccer. That's fine. That's a fair trade. Um, the game tomorrow, the game tomorrow night, seven o'clock p.m. on ESPN. You will be able to watch the Hornets in preseason, 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 preseason. Okay, uh, we will be here tomorrow morning uh, uh, at eight o'clock here on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets, or of course on your podcast feed with a preview of that game. Uh, so we're gonna get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at locked on Hornets for uh, live tweets on the game and uh, shout out by the way to at Hornets Gifts for helping get it, getting us that uh, video on the lobs. Make sure you give that guy a follow. Just great stuff coming out. Um, that's uh, I don't know if he wants his identity revealed, uh, but it is it was, is our producer, Captain Kurt, who's behind that operation. So uh, give at Hornets Gifts on Twitter a follow because he's doing some uh, just great work here in the preseason when demand for video is high because you can't find it anywhere. Uh, he's helping you out. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Give us your Hornets questions and thoughts. Uh, You can email them to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com or join us here on YouTube on the live chat, and we will answer them then. For uh, Nick, I'm Doug, and the rest of the crew here at Locked On Hornets, we're saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte's. Charlotte's better. (laughs) 